everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Arms Movement Life Project coming to you live this Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, broadcasting live from beautiful Amsburg, Ontario. If you're watching or listening to the replay on Apple Podcasts or on wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us. This is the live local conversation that happens each and every weekday here in Windsor, Essex County. My name is Arms. Glad to have you along for the ride. Don't forget to like us on social media and check out season one while you're diving into the content we've been doing since 2021 here on the project. Um, we've got a couple of great guests who are returning to the show in just a few moments. Can't wait to talk to them because we're diving into the topic of um, health, wellness, and, and body image, and some really cool partnerships that they have been putting into effect over the last uh, six to eight months. So happy to welcome back to the show some of the staff from the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association to the program in just a few moments. Uh, before we get to that, highly encourage everybody to get out and vote. Uh, we are literally days away from the 2022 municipal election. Uh, I had a chance to do advanced voting here in our town of Amherstburg this past Saturday in and out of the Libro Center. Uh, we didn't have drive through uh, voting like Windsor did. So a lot of people posting about the drive through options that the city of Windsor had put in, which was extremely handy. Um, dare I say, taking a page out of our drive through microchip clinics from the Humane Society. I don't know, but it's still very handy for people to kind of cast your vote. Uh, I did the whole process at the Libro Center. Uh, and there was another survey at the end of voting where they had asked, how do you like to vote? Do you like to do it in person? Do you like to do it uh, via internet? And I stopped the guy in his track. I said, via the internet. And I know people talk about security issues via the internet uh, for voting when it comes to any kind of election. But my God, if they could somehow uh, hone that and make it foolproof for people to vote online, I think we would uh, see record amounts of people do so. Not to say that it is uh, a pain to do it in person, but uh, certainly when you have kids and different responsibilities, you got to kind of carve out that time as it were. So anyways, get out and vote if you haven't had a chance to do so ahead of the municipal elections next, uh, I believe, uh, next week. Um, I'll be very interested to see what happens, especially in the city of Windsor and uh, certainly across our fair region of Essex County and right here in Amherstburg. I was talking to some of the people running the uh, polling stations at the uh, Libro Center, and they said this is the highest turnout that they have seen, not with any kind of factual data, but these people have been doing it for the last couple of municipal election cycles in Amherstburg in quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see where we go with that. Speaking of voting and making your voice heard, uh, my guests here on the program do uh, a tremendous job of talking about a number of different issues to do with body image and, and health prevention uh, in terms of um, tackling some bigger issues from anorexia and uh, nervosa and uh, all the different things associated with what they do on a day in and day out basis. Uh, they've been on the show a couple of times before. Joining me is Pat Kelly and Lucy Rasu Siesa, who is the executive director of the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association, joining us on the show. Good to see you both. How are you guys? Great. How are you doing, Arms? I'm good. Lucy, good to see you too, my friend. Thank you. Great to see you. Uh, good to see you as well. And thank you so much for spending some time with me. I know that both of you are very busy. You've got lots to talk about here on the show. And when we talk a little bit about what Vanna has been doing and what you guys have been up to, I know coming fresh off the back of Children's Fest, Pat, that was a pretty big uh, event, a very successful one, a very busy one. Central Park Athletics, which I think uh, Vanna taking the lead on this along with the Rotary Club. Uh, were you happy with the turnout and everybody coming out to Children's Fest? Absolutely thrilled. After a two-year hiatus, we, we said this was our 26th, 27th, and 28th Children's Fest. Um, we know a lot of people missed uh, the, the, the two years during COVID, and we didn't want them to. So we crammed uh, three years worth of fun into two week two uh, days on the weekend, and, and it was uh, 
uh, record numbers. Um, uh, our, our sponsors came back in droves, and uh, and a lot of new vendors. We we had 48% um, of our vendors were new this year, um, so it was very different uh, for us and, and different for the audience as well. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback from the families. What's interesting about Children's Fest too, and uh, I had a chance to stop by when you were setting up, and kudos to you and your awesome mom, um, who does a great job to kind of uh, kind of stick handle this year in and year out. Um, you got a great location at uh, Children's Fest, and I think people were just happy to get out and yes. get out with their kids and and do something with their children on a great weekend. Yeah, and and it was, and that's the the one beauty uh, thing about Central Park is is that you know out front, outside we have our food court and literally our pony and dog show. Uh, but when you come inside, you've got this beautiful air-conditioned soccer dome. Uh, it's safe for the kids to run around. You're not worried about mud or rain or, or um, the heat because it was a warm weekend. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's great for the vendors as well. It gives a chance uh, for the community. I know, I know talking to a lot of the vendors, um, they said the nice thing was, was not only be able to be inside, but have the space to talk to people. Uh, we had two days of, of entertainment on that stage and, and you never felt like you're shouting. You didn't feel like you, you uh, were being, you know, overwhelmed. Uh, and and uh, a lot of people uh, came to us to, that stayed three, four, five hours. Um, I talked to one gentleman on the Saturday that was going on hour six um, and had no interest in leaving. Uh, they were having the time of their lives. He brought three kids. Uh, he set up a little corner and he was just letting them play. Uh, and uh, he made a family weekend of it. And he said it was a third uh, time they came before COVID. Uh, and his youngest uh, remembered it and wanted to bring the the two younger siblings now. So um, we're, we're becoming uh, a, a multi-generational, um, multi-family uh, uh, experience here. Listen, coming as a dad with two kids, we were just saying this before the break, uh, you have that opportunity to let your kids kind of go uh, on a Saturday and you can pop a squat in the corner and let them go. I think it's a, it's a great deal. You, you they're still supervised. It's not like you're just letting them free range here, but you just kind of get to get breather and the kids are having fun and they're learning a little bit too. So yeah, no, hey, kudos we, to you guys. We set up the event in zone. So you, so you kind of have your, your, your vendor zone, your inflatable bouncy castle zone, your game zone, your food zone. So as, as parents move throughout the day, they just stop and let the kids do the experience. Uh, and the nice thing is we, we've brought vendors in for the parents too and for full family. So you're, you're not just you know running from, from uh, clowns and balloons and face painting. We, we brought in uh, counselors and social services and insurance and uh, real estate and, and uh, all kinds of things that, that the, the entire family uh, needs and can use and, and can talk about. And, you know, um, it, it really should be family fest, uh, but it's been children's fest so long we think we're going to keep it. Well, kudos to the both of you for putting that on and uh, kudos to the Rotary Club for helping to put that on as well. Some new stuff that has come across the horizon. I've been seeing this in the media a lot. Wanted to dive a little bit deeper here on the show about the sort of the clinical side and sort of the partnership side that you guys do with the Bulimia NRX and Novosi Association. Um, Lucy, can we talk a little bit more about some of the new stuff that we have on, on deck now? Uh, the Eating Disorders Ontario Prevention Program. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, how that came to fruition and, and what are you hoping to achieve with this particular program? Yeah, so I'll tell you something, Arms. I've been here for almost 19 years, um, and prevention is uh, in my heart. Like, I, I've always been a, a big um, advocate of prevention. I started off at BANA in the area of prevention, so I feel like, you know, that's where my heart is. Um, so this is really wonderful. 
we've been working um, with our provincial body. So Dr. Gail McVeigh, which is sort of leading this project for about four years in getting us off the ground. It is through Eating Disorders Ontario. It is an arm of the prevention. So Eating Disorders Ontario is part of the treatment, um, prevention, as well as training. And so in terms of this uh, particular project, uh, there, we did receive funding from the government um, the province in order to hire 30 to 40 prevention hires across the province sort of delivering this framework. Um, I always say it takes a village because I really believe that. I think, you know, when you're looking at all of these pressures, especially around challenging, you know, societal pressures around dieting culture, appearance-based, uh, we know that's probably more prevalent than ever just based on social media and the exposure that young people sort of get. We also know that parents play a role, right, and caregivers. And so I always say those little ears are listening because as much as, you know, whatever interaction we have in the household around food, like I say to my kids, you know, we need to balance out your lunch, right? Um, or how do we speak about our bodies, right? How do we talk about our bodies to ourselves, to our spouse, to our friends, to our partners, whoever is around, those kids are, are definitely listening. We know the school climate's really important as well. Um, and then there's also, you know, it's quite a framework. It's evidence-based, it's a, it's, a, it's a larger framework, but it really tackles all of those pieces. And then also the adult influencer piece. So there is a, a foundational training, which is looking at weight bias. Um, you know, we all grow up in different ways with, with different uh, norms and different ideas and stereotypes. And so it gives um, more of the professional and teachers, we're hoping to get this foundational training sort of in the water, we say, um, to everybody. So there's something for everybody. There's also personality sort of um, characteristics like perfectionism that sometimes can lead to eating disorder or disordered eating. So it's a full prong approach, I guess. There's a, a big framework. Um, Banna is excited to, to really uh, announce, I guess, that um, we have been selected as the host organization for uh, uh, West um, and so Ontario West, which means really from here to um, the Waterloo region, Niagara region. Um, and so we will be hiring different prevention hires uh, working under um, BANA and pro uh, providing this type of uh, um, prevention intervention in their own community. So it's really exciting stuff. That's pretty cool. And, and it's interesting that you've had sort of these great connections and, and, and one of the reasons why you know, I, I ran into somebody the other day who said, oh, you know, listen to the show. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Besides you and my mom, that makes two. So I'm getting somewhere. Uh, but I said, I said, quite honestly, I go, I, they say, you know, you bring these people on and, and they're sometimes repeat guests and, and it's something different. I said, yeah, I said, because it's it's in, to me living. And, and I know, Lucy, with you being at Banna for as long as you have, and certainly with Pat, with your experience, too. But mm -hmm. you get to see kind of the passion with people in their roles here in the city. And I always joke around. I said, you know, the city, the city of Windsor in the area is like it's it's a big city and it's a big region but we're also a very small town and the mm -hmm. players may change seats but we all kind of know each other through different means and the fact that you folks at bana have such a great relationship with uh, other organizations and other partners and i think that sort of transcends the windsor essex boundaries to have that sort of reach to say yeah this organization what we do here in windsor essex it is not only worth the funding but it's also worth the expansion of what we're doing. And that leads to kind of exciting times from Banna as a whole, because you're able to grow the organization and 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 put it in a place, I think, post-pandemic, which I wanted to talk to you about that post-pandemic recovery, putting you in a better position to address some of the needs that you may be forecasting down the road. And some of the things that you're starting to see now, two years into this quote unquote pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've already developed a community of practice with partners uh, on this project as well, it's a real initiative that I think will um, be important for the province at large, because there will be around, you know, those 40 hires in the province doing the same work. Um, and so we're, we're connected to School Mental Health Ontario, we're connected to the health units. I mean, it really is a larger scope partnership, um, but it will have a local context, which I really like, right? So it's really meeting the needs of what does the local community need, um, which for us, you know, could be multicultural sort of sensitivity around those pieces. So we're really trying to gauge all of this work to make sure it meets the, the context of the, each community. Well, kudos to you. Is there like a time frame to for rollouts for steps for this, or or is the hiring began? Like like like, how do you envision this sort of launching off the ground? Yeah, so we've already actually uh, Banna has the first hire in the province. Uh, awesome. We hired, yeah. So in January, um, we have our first hire, and uh, she's doing a fantastic job, which is really great for her because she has the opportunity as this program is being built. It, it, she's part of that process as well. Uh, we will be hiring a lead um, very shortly. I think we'll be posting for that job very shortly. And then um, after that, we're going to look at the, the map and sort of map out where in the province we're going to start hiring um, these prevention specialists. Well, kudos to you guys. I mean, that's exciting news too. And then you talk a little bit about some of the partnerships that you continue to do to formulate here locally in Windsor. Tell me a little bit more, Lucy, about the uh, Windsor-Essex Intensive Outpatient Program that Banna has been involved in. Yeah, so this is all uh, really exciting things for us because one thing is to offer uh, outpatient services, but we do and we recognize that there was a gap in terms of um, offering more of an intensive program for those who need it. So most um, traditionally, I guess, people have gone down the 401 to access any sort of intensive treatment. Um, but ourselves, Windsor Regional Hospital and uh, the WCHC, so the Community Health Center, specifically Teen Health, it sort of came together. We have um, developed and implemented and launched um, this program, which is our intensive outpatient program, which is very um, comprehensive. Uh, the partners are phenomenal. I can't speak to how wonderful this partnership has been with, with the hospital as well as um, with the CHC. Uh, this program runs four days a week. There's groups, there's meal support, um, there's uh, individual treatment, as well as we have psychiatry. Um, through this partnership, we've been able to really build in some uh, pathways to hospital as well, whether it's through uh, medical, psychiatry, emergency department. Uh, it has been really, really amazing um, just to get this off the ground. We launched this program May 2nd. Uh, with the help of Ontario Health and, and the funding. So we're really excited. Uh, I say we're in the norming and storming phase right now. So we're trying to sort of figure out and pivot, you know, what do we need to do? What do we need to change? Sure. Um, and we're all open to that. So it's it's a great partnership. Well, first of all, I got to say kudos to that reference because like, uh, I think, I, I don't know if that's like a late stage Gen Xer reference to, you know, Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf from Desert Storm, you know, like you say that now. I actually said like a reference to somebody the other day and I was working with this, this, this younger, I think of, I think it's Generation Y or Z, I don't know anymore, I feel old, but they're just like right over their head. And I, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, oh, I was like a Nancy Kerrigan reference, right? Like mm -hmm. Tanya Harding, Nancy, and they're like, who? And I'm like, oh my God. Anyways, um, I digress, but I, I love the fact that you're able to not, and I think the pandemic has really highlighted the need for healthcare agencies and really organizations as a whole. I know at the Humane Society, um, we have a partnership that's coming out on Thursday that we're going to be announcing that 
um, it just made sense. And it was sort of like feeling the needs, like we can do this very well and this organization can do that very well. How do we come together to benefit mm -hmm. the whole? And I think that's where you kind of break down from working in silos. I think that was a term that was used a lot. You know, sometimes organizations, they do work in silos, but you have that relationship, you forge ahead with those relationships, like with Windsor Regional Hospital, and you're able to, to put sort of the needs of the community first too. Um, do you foresee that, Lucy, in your opinion, you know, that sort of collaborative nature start to become more and more prevalent uh, in the next four to five years from a from a sort of a health promotion and healthcare, uh, uh, I guess, uh, viewpoint? I think it's the only way, to be honest with you, Arms. Um, I think we need to collaborate. I think we need to work together. I think those days of working in silos don't work for the community. They don't work for the client. They don't work for people trying to access service. Um, I'm very big on collaboration. I think that's how success and, and you know, putting the client first um, and looking at what their needs are. So I'm extremely um, a big supporter of sort of collaboration. And I think we're heading that way with Ontario Health Teams. Um, and I think that we're heading that way with being more transparent around the needs, right? So, uh, you know, one example is I'm not afraid to showcase that we have a wait list and to sort of uh, you know, put it out there that we have. Most times people are sort of afraid and guarded, I guess, um, in terms of sharing that information. But for me, I think collaboration is key. Um, and I'm looking forward to collaborating more with partners. I, you know, this is an example with Windsor Regional Hospital, as well as the CHC, how collaborations have moved us forward. And it's amazing to see what strides we've made in such a short time. We only received this funding April 1st. And wow. by May 2nd, we were up and running and we had been working on the development of, of this program, uh, but it was just so the quick turnaround with the support of these people and, and the willingness arms. That's what I think it is, the willingness to help where they can. Um, and I was saying, you know, the other day, like it's it's almost um, so nice to be on the receiving end sort of of all this uh, support and help. So I think it's really in, in, in our community's favor. Yeah, and I think... Um... Part of that goes to having some forward thinking individuals at the helm of the ship, so to speak. I think, you know, if you take a look at that, and I, I mean this with the utmost sincerity to you, Lucy, mm -hmm. and certainly to you, Pat, too, is that you, you, you've you always struck me through the years we've worked together through media and now social media and all these different things that we sort of collaborate on is that like it's almost sort of that new age of hiring, right? They often talk about the great resignation, right? And, and it's like you hire people because they're very good at doing something that you may not be good at. But if you have needs to fill, you either hire for those needs. So you have a, a team, quote unquote, true team, or you either outsource or you collaborate to say, how do we sort of fill this in? Because I think the people who are trying to access services, that demographic and that sort of baseline has changed. I think, um, you know, you talk about the diversity that's happening and is continuing to happen and sort of uh, is bringing a Windsor to a new forefront that has changed over the last three to four years. But then you extrapolate the issues that we've had because of COVID. Um, I think you sort of this digital revolution on how to access services because of, you know, the initial stages of COVID, everybody was sort of remote or doing things remotely or using digital devices a lot more frequently than previously. So there's a lot of things I think that have been in favor for this too, but I think uh, addressing the need is so crucial as well. Um, I just want to get to a couple of comments that continue to roll in here. We're live on um, LinkedIn as well. A lot of people do watch on LinkedIn. Sometimes we get a quiet audience on there too. We've got some comments rolling in from Facebook for Pat and Lucy from Banna and live on Twitter too. Steve Young, a uh, good friend of mine from London, 
uh, formerly of CTV News, joining us on the chat here. And Steve says, I had the opportunity to tour Ontario's only adult residential eating disorder clinic, which operated operates by London Health Sciences. Uh, you all collectively do great work. I talked with a 62-year-old who has battled an eating disorder mm -hmm. since she was a teenager. Uh, Steve, thanks for watching and uh, got to catch up with you too. Steve Young, uh, former news director at CTV Windsor and CTV London, now working at London Health Sciences. Um, it's interesting to see that sort of image to me and just reading Steve's comment that, you know, sometimes maybe we are so, for me, it's like you think of eating disorder, you might think of somebody who's younger. You don't mm -hmm. necessarily may think of somebody who's in, like Steve said, in their 60s, who has been continually to tackle that uh, mm -hmm. through the course of her lifetime and seek the help that she needs. Yeah, and it's interesting, Arms. We see people, I think our, our uh, eldest client we've seen is probably in their 80s, um, which is uh, probably something shocking for people to hear. But very commonly, we see people in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s. I mean, it's not a teenage issue as perceived by the media, um, although a lot of times eating disorders can definitely start as teens. They can also start in their 30s. They can also start in their 40s. And I think there's a sort of a misconception about that, that it's always a teenage issue and it sort of passes once they're not a teenager anymore and that's not true we've had people that have had an eating disorder for a number of years and and, and that goes to again um you know outreach services and services that you guys continue to offer too and those information pieces um to sort of illuminate sort of you know getting out of that narrative that the media might put out there that it's just the younger people who suffer from uh, eating disorders but that's where i think pieces of content and information that content marketing is so crucial, like the Banna magazine. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something I think that we're very proud of to sponsor uh, my business partner and myself, but certainly uh, help out as well. And Pat, this is something that we continue to talk about, about having a great resource that happens on a monthly yep. basis for people to kind of dive into what Banna does. Yeah. And we're, we're thrilled that we're, we're, we're about to drop episode, uh, issue number nine. Um, we come out quarterly uh, and we've been very proud of this. It, it started uh, really as a conversation with Lucy and I, Early on in COVID, um, like many people, we, we, we switched our agency to media and social media very quickly to keep messaging going. Um, and, and although we were less than a week for clients uh, going virtual and doing therapy on Zoom, um, we, we all in, in the same retrospect turned to our Facebook and our Instagram and our website to get out messaging. And the problem was we were noticing that we were putting out content daily, which was fabulous and, and a great kudos to our entire staff who pitched in. But four or five days later, you can't find that information anymore. Um, and we know when you're on Facebook and Instagram, you're looking at a couple seconds. And, and there's so many issues with wellness uh, and mental health that are both eating disorder and not eating disorder related that we're so used to being able to talk to when we go out face to face, when we were doing health fairs, when we were doing community presentations, that we didn't have the opportunity to share that knowledge anymore. Um, and it just it came from a comment and conversation Lucy and I were having that wouldn't it be great to have something that could last that people could go back to and look at, that people could find when they wanted it. Um, and it very quickly became our first issue of our magazine in November, 2020. Um, since then, we've had writers from five different countries. We have readers in over 40. Um, like I said, issue nine is about to drop and, and we've gone so much beyond eating disorders. Uh, I'd say most issues, less than 40% of the magazine are eating disorders because there's so many comorbidities and other issues that affect mental health and wellness. In this issue alone that's coming out, uh, be coming out on the 28th, um, we have one of our staff who is a member of the Indigenous community and she talks about um, the struggles uh, of being in that community. We have information about how parents can influence uh, children eating, uh, eating habits. Uh, we talk about workplace wellness. Uh, we talk about gender diversity. 
Um, we talk about self-care and wellness. We have a very talented local social worker that wrote an article uh, about adult ADHD, which a lot of people don't know even exists. You think again, it's, it, it's a, a kid issue. Um, it's very prevalent in, in adults. And she walks you through what to look for. And we have a special guest writer, uh, this issue, uh, former CFL, um, player and mental health advocate, Frankie Reno. So we do a whole gambit uh, of wellness, health, eating disorders, body image, self-esteem, um, and it comes out to you quarterly and it's free. Uh, so if, you, if you're interested in the magazine, you go to banna.ca forward slash magazine. The past eight issues are out there. You can sign up for our ninth issue. Like I said, it comes out on the 28th. Again, it's free. We'll email it to you. Um, and you can also find it in most of the mental health and wellness uh, locations here in town and our friends at Central Park Athletics uh, populate the entire building uh, with this magazine. So we're thrilled that it's uh, out there. Um, and again, every quarter uh, we're looking for new and, and more interesting topics to cover. And we already have uh, start, uh, starting to get a waiting list of writers. I've got, let me look over here on my shoulder here to my, my, my wall. I have six writers lined up for January already. So, um, you know, it, and, and it, it, they're coming to us because they've seen our stories and want to tell their stories. And that's one of the things that's been very unique about our magazine is we have lived experience. Um, in every single issue, we have had somebody tell the story of something they've gone through to help others relate to what they're going through. Um, and that's really the whole point is we're, we're trying to, in our own small way, um, break down the stigma start conversations, let people know they're not alone, um, and, and bring pe people together that understand. And and, and I, I think it's just a fantastic publication. It's chocked full of information when you guys do drop new issues too. Um, and speaking of stories, you guys have quite the story coming up, especially for 2023. Lucy, this is going to be a big year for the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association, the 40th anniversary for 2023, 40 years of servicing our community here in Windsor and Essex County. So are, any big plans, anything kind of in on the back burner for the 40th anniversary? Patrick's laughing because he has all the plans. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> we definitely have uh, some plans in place. We are sort of getting a committee together as we speak. Um, in order to hear out and, and sort of do some different things. We, we're, we're, we're really planning some different things. Pat could maybe talk a little bit about some of our ideas or, or not, but uh, definitely 40 years. I mean, we were one of the first eating disorder sort of treatment centers that opened up in Ontario. And Dr. Moriarty, which, you know, ha has passed, uh, he passed away last year, our founder, uh, was, you know, such a big supporter of our organization and starting our organization. And it was with his sort of vision that we had the promotion, health promotion and prevention program as well. He looked at things that were non-reactive, but we've grown tremendously over the years. Um, it's great to celebrate. And, you know, here we are at 40 years. And I don't know, if Pat, you want to comment on any of our, our, our plans or ideas, I guess, at this point? I'm a big adage of, of leaving them wanting more. But I will tell you, we, 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 we're planning a little formal. We're planning some informal. Uh, we're planning some community participation. Uh, and maybe a little bit of education in there as well. Um, so you have to stay tuned to, to our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Banna Windsor or Banna.ca. Um, and we know we're going to keep arms in the loop on this as well. He and I had, had some chats uh, about some upcoming hopes and dreams and plans. Um, so I'm sure he'll keep uh, uh, keep the audience apprised as we get closer uh, uh, to year 40 as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was actually saying to some of my colleagues um, uh, about just some of the work that you guys do and and continue to do, and how you know, in an age where I think it's so easy to be an armchair quarterback about anything and everything, I think when you have an organization that has actionable and sustainable results like Bana, it's in it, it's a no brainer to get behind. Um, and like I was saying to Pat when I was picking up some material from the office at your place this week too, you know, I think part of the challenge I was on a fundraising call. Um, with uh, a nonprofit board that I belong to in the United States and in, in, in Canada. And, you know, not to get into the weeds here about fundraising and sort of, uh, they said it's sort of the death of, of um, uh, not event fundraising, but certainly a homework fundraising and, you know, how really becoming sort of content journalists or content marketers about the sort of stories that, you know, as Pat said it best in the magazine, you have real world experience that are sort of telling what Banna is all about. Um, people sort of look at these quote unquote influencers for your brand and the more apt to get behind your cause because of it. So I am excited. I think you guys have done incredible work and, you know, cheers to another 40 here in Windsor, Essex. Uh, it's needed. Um, so I just want to thank you both. And I'll be very interested to see what's cooking on the uh, on the back burner, so to speak, as we head into 2023. Uh, that being said, just before I wrap it up for the show, uh, you know, I kind of preface this, this whole episode with, you know, the importance of voting and and getting out there and making some sustainable change and not necessarily being political or partisan on this show because I try not to be opinionated, sure, but a, a political or partisan, I try to be as uh, as fair and as balanced as I can be. Um, I think definitely, and, and not to put words in your mouth, but I think we're on a precipice, I think, for the, the entire region. I think we've got a long road ahead uh, outside of sort of global challenges that continue to um, make issues for a lot of regular folks here uh, in Canada. But I think locally, I think we have a lot of good news coming down the pipe. And I just uh, I, I hope that we see that uh, that the elected officials who do get in charge continue to push where Windsor could be and should be and needs to be, I think, in the next you know four to five years here. So uh, I think from an organizational standpoint, I think from a community standpoint, since you're so both connected, um, I, I, I would think that you would, you know, both of you not to speak for you, but would want to see. Uh, some good actionable things happen for the city. And I think, uh, you know, voting is so important to let people voice their opinions uh, through ballots, as opposed to maybe tweeting their latest opinion uh, on something that comes out. Yes, definitely. And I think now now is the time we've got, we've got a great mix of, of old candidates, potentially new candidates in all our regions and all our municipalities. Um, and, and if there's anything I can throw to all of them is I know there's been this push for investing in our community and they're, they're investing in battery plants and they're investing in buildings and they're investing in parks. Don't forget to invest in the people. Don't forget to invest in the programs that are supporting the people. Yes, sir. Um, uh, because it, it's wonderful to, to bolster this community, but, but it's the grassroots that holds you up. Um, and, and if we're not well, if our health isn't being taken care of, it doesn't matter how many buildings you build. It doesn't matter how many batteries you charge. If we're not putting in the services to charge our own batteries and, and, and keeping our own foundations strong, um, then, then none of the rest matter. Um, and, and as we were are very soon, and again, not to get too political, uh, looking at, at new political landscape as they move forward, whoever they may be, I hope they, they, they remember the people um, and, and, and organizations like BANA and CMHA and Teen Health and, and, and the ones that keep our community well, um, because that's important too. 
Yeah, I could not agree more. And I think really, uh, you know, you have to invest in the people to really make your investment count. And I think that that's, you know, programs and ensuring that our, our community is healthy. And that is looking at mental health. And I think coming out of COVID, as you mentioned, ARMS too, we see a lot of disparity around that, right? Where people were afraid to sort of seek out services. People are coming in for service now, whether, you know, health or mental health, um, they feel like they have a bit of the confidence. But as we see, you know, we need to really focus on healthcare um, and not to be reactive, but we need to look at some prevention strategies across the board um, and making sure we're taking care of the people that are taking care of the community, which is one thing that I'm really focused on at BANA is making sure that people are well coming to work and that they feel good. And some of the things that we, you know, historically were able to do, we haven't been able to do. And now we're getting sort of back into the swing of, you know, meeting face to face and being in closer, you know, proximity to one another, right? Which is we all need that as human beings, you know, as much as virtual. And I and I do think that the virtual and the technology has brought us forward 20 years with COVID, which I appreciate, um, but it doesn't replace people. And I think it doesn't replace that contact with people face to face that we all need. And, and, and we're all earning for that, right? And we need it to, to be well. Um, and so we see that at BANA as well, that we're trying to get back there where we're, we're, we're trying to connect as an organization, as staff, and then connecting with our community as well, um, which I think is really important. Well, I think it's a testament to your leadership and sort of the relationships that you forged ahead with over the last uh, decade or so, Lucy, and, and certainly with the uh, relationships that you've built as well, Pat. So to the two of you, I say thank you. Whenever you need any kind of help from me, I'm just a phone call or text away. You both know that. Uh, keep up the great work. Keep being a shining beacon of how organizations should be. And I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, joining me here live on the show. So thank you so much. Thank you, Arm. Always a pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Lucy Rasu Siesa and Pat Kelly from the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association. Great folks, great organization, well run, as you can tell, and uh, continuing to uh, forge ahead with many, many partnerships here in our community for the wellness of people here locally. I will say this, not to get on my high soapbox, but this is one of the reasons why I love doing the show because it is my show. I can get on my soapboxes. Um, when I was going to vote uh, on Saturday, advance voting here in Amherstburg, and I was in line, and there was quite a few people in line to cast a vote. Um, I heard a couple of gentlemen, older gentlemen in front of me, and the one guy in front of me had a quote that I, I'm like, man, I got to remember that quote, because that kind of sums up what Lucy was saying to a T. And he said, you know, they're talking about who they're voting for and going back and forth. And the one gentleman in front of me, he said to the other gentleman, be careful of the person who knows the price of everything, but doesn't really comprehend the value of people. And it really struck me because as Lucy had said, you know, we have to take care of people. If you're in a leadership position and you're in a position where you're leading people through what is a lot of people are saying the end of this pandemic, you have to meet people where they are and you have to let people thrive and grow and learn and make mistakes. That's how you grow. But it really struck me that quote when they were talking about some of the candidates uh, running for mayor and uh, running for uh, council. Be careful of the person who knows the price of everything, but doesn't know the value of people. Really struck me. Anyways, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the stream. Again, we are live every, every Tuesday uh, on Facebook. 
and on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And then you can also find out a little bit more information about all past episodes. Find me on YouTube, find me on uh, Anchor FM, Spotify, all over the place. Podcasts is all over the place. Uh, Andrea chimes in here. She's amazing uh, work here, Lucy and Pat. Thank you, Arms. Thank you, Andrea, for tuning into the show and learning a little bit about some of the organizations that make up Windsor and Essex County. Hey, listen, next week, it is the 25th, uh, about four, five, six days away from uh, Halloween, October 31st. So that means we will have our annual Halloween show here on the podcast. And I have another podcast joining me on the show. And they are a very popular podcast. And they deal with the realm and the niche of the paranormal. So we will do our sort of annual ghost to ghost arms boom and leg project talking about all things spooky and paranormal and weird right up my alley one of my many interests love talking about weird stuff so that's going to happen next week live at eight o'clock i have a couple of gentlemen who are going to join me from a very popular local podcast that is heard around the world talking about the paranormal to sort of set the mood ahead of halloween and then we'll be in the month of November before you know it. Have a great rest of the evening. Thank you so much for joining us live. Don't forget, you can uh, help us by helping out our season sponsor, Motor City Chrysler. Thank you to Jason and the team at Motor City at the corner of Tecumseh and Walker Road for sponsoring this show. They are huge supporters of the Arms Movement Like Project. Great folks. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, that is the place to go. Check them out today, Motor City Chrysler, and find them on Facebook or like them on Instagram as well. Anyways, take care, folks. We'll see you back here next week. Yeah.